Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Hi, I'm Brother Gregory, and this is Keys to the Kingdom. And so we're sliding in the first air to another show, and I'm adjusting my mic <laughs> so, uh, with one hand, <laughs> and we uh, we had a bunch of people here, and I, for some reason, they seem to have all disappeared. Did they go outside? Did they go? sure got quiet. Sure got quiet all of a sudden, but uh, anyway, uh, I don't really have a topic. I put on the station that it was a grab bag. Yeah, I don't really have. I do have Danny's here in the studio. And don't have his mic on, but I can turn it on real quick. <laughs> I'll point it at him, make him nervous. And I was listening to the show just before. And it was people talking and dogs barking. <laughs> and they're sharing their experiences on the radio. And... Uh, and we could certainly share a lot of experiences on our radio uh, show, but uh, we want to be of service. We want this to be a practical venue in which people can talk. We had our show this morning on Micah 5, and that will be available on the network as soon as I get around to editing it. But uh, this one we're recording here in this studio. I don't know how everybody else would get into the chat room, but you can look on the page if you're listening on online and see if there's a way to get into the chat room. It says it's connecting. I don't see. Looks like you can actually ask questions in the chat room, like there's a live mic. But I think they can also type in messages, too. Yeah, I see there's an area there to type in messages. So we're just kind of experimenting with what the possibilities are. I was experimenting with some of the equipment here as to whether we could take calls. And there is a way that we could take calls actually here. Uh, but I don't know if we're ready to start that yet. We're going to do a little bit more experimenting because... Uh, Sometimes when we take the calls in through here. But they could not hear me speaking even though I was recording in the studio. So somehow or other I'll have to get that so it'll be a two-way mic. So anyway, those are some of the things we're doing here besides all the repair work that we have to do. And uh, So I don't really know what the topic are. Do you have any topics that you think we ought to talk about? It looks like you've been taking notes there. Well, no, I've just been... Oh, wait, let me get your mic on. Let's see if I can get your mic on. I've just... uh been going over some emails that have been going through the group. Seems like Bitcoin is a, a hot topic in Texas. And, uh, I mean, there's a couple questions that's been raised on the last couple emails if, if you'd like to answer. But what do you think is the perfect monetary system for a free society? Well, it would be substantive. Just weights and measures. It'd be gold, silver, copper, bronze. Uh, when I, I took that part out of the water heater, it was the bronze. And my wife said she was going to throw it away. And I'm thinking, I'll have to dig that out and save that bronze. Because that's, that's valuable bronze. Right. <laughs> or brass. Right. It'll be brass. But uh, uh, the, 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 it's always a substantive. Of course, then it could be every anything that you value. Present value is what you're looking at. Something of present value. 
uh, in the common law for years. You cannot pay a debt with a note. Stanick versus White. That's a that's a primal case in law. It's why you don't own any legal property. Uh, any legal property you own, you don't own lawfully. That's why it's subject to taxes. Two two reasons: its status and your status. One, your status, because you don't own yourself anymore. You don't own all of your labor, but also you don't own the land because you never paid for the land because you cannot pay a debt with a note, and everybody's buying everything with notes, and so you're giving somebody a debt note as if it were payment. And it can be received as legal tender, but it's an offer. And it makes your property a collateral for the debt. Because they have no intention of ever paying off the debt. I mean, they're loaning, they loan a billion dollars into circulation. You're never going to get that billion dollars back. Right. Plus, they're loaning it into circulation at interest. What are you going to pay the interest with? They didn't, you know, they charge you 10% interest. They're not loaning a billion ten into circulation. They're just loaning a billion into circulation. So there is, the only way you can pay it back is to pay it with actual silver. They end up owing everything. Uh, owning everything. Uh, Josiah Stamp says this old banking industry was conceived in, in in evil. But, you know, nobody wants to see that. And it's a little overwhelming. It's like all banking, you know. Well, certainly. But the problem isn't in the banking. The the problem, and, and it isn't the fact that you don't have just weights and measures, that you have nothing but debt notes. And the debt notes aren't even redeemable anymore. You still say on your money, redeemable and lawful money. Well, two things that tells you. If the note says it's redeemable in lawful money, it's not lawful money. <laughs> it did say before that that it was legal tender. It's an offer. It's not an actual, you know, substance. It has no present value. You can go on the, the Federal Reserve website and they'll tell you that Federal Reserve notes have no present value. They actually say they have, in one place, they actually say they have no value. It's just like, it's what we're using. We'd be better off with puka shells. <laughs> you know, because they use puka shells as as money somewhere. But at least there's a limited supply of puka shells. You have to go out and find them. They can break and you can lose value. In early America, they whiskey, barrels of whiskey was money. Right. A bottle of whiskey was money. I've heard that they uh, they call a shot of whiskey a shot because you used to be able to exchange uh, a piece of ammo, one shell, for a shot of whiskey. Oh, okay. Jeez. Um, uh, shots, pretty valuable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it depends on the size of the shot glass. Oh, right, right. Maybe it's a bullet pouch, but uh, it, it represents labor. Right. And labor is substance. Your sweat is substance. Your blood is substance. And when you work and produce something, that's your substance. That represents your substance. But a promise is like the wind. It it may be true. It may not be true. 
you know, somebody asked me once if I was a licensed bonded contractor. I said, you trust a bond agent you've never, ever met more than you trust me? My word is my bond. Besides, I said, I'm working for you, and then you pay me. So all the trust is in my corner. <laughs> I'm trusted. I did that once where I was going to put a... Somebody gave me a check, and I wanted to endorse it over to an account in a building supply place, which is now out of business, but uh, they just sold out of business. But uh, they... Uh, they said, well, I don't know if we can do that. And I says, well, there's the owner of the store. Ask him. And and they asked him, and I heard him just start saying real loud right in the middle of the store, yeah, you can take anything that guy gives you. <laughs> and, and he says, uh, his credit's always good with us. And I said, hey, hey, I'm not asking for credit. I'm paying in advance on materials you haven't delivered yet. It's your credit uh-huh. is good with me. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't owe you anything. And he he smiles and he says, yeah, I never thought about that. You're the only customer we have that pays for stuff in advance. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, well, that's because I'm a Sabbath keeper. You know, if you're if you're borrowing... Stuff, not paying for it today, but taking it today, you're not a Sabbath keeper. And see, like the program just before, they were, they were talking about Pauline Gospel. I went to look up Pauline, uh, and I got a picture of somebody named Pauline. I needed to type in Pauline. I just didn't have time before the show started. But, uh, people don't understand. If you don't know, that the Sabbath has nothing to do with Saturday or Sunday. The Sabbath has to do with whether or not you're operating in debt or operating in present value, because that's your choices. Then you don't know the Pauline Gospel from the man in the moon. Because Paul knew the difference. You know, I mean, why did Paul appeal to Rome? For a case that he already won with Agrippa and Festus. He'd already won. They told him, you don't need to appeal this. You're actually putting your life in jeopardy when you appeal this case to Rome. Because we don't know what Rome would do. They just had Tiberius as the emperor of Rome. Tiberius was crazy. And then they had, uh, after Tiberius was um, Caligula. I looked at Danny and he just kept staring back at me. He wasn't going <laughs> to <play. laughs> He's no help when it comes to the emperors of Rome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Caligula. Caligula was crazy. That guy was absolutely insane. Um, not much different these days with the modern Rome. <laughs> right. You know, you have no idea what goes on behind closed doors in... Uh, Washington, D.C. But, you know, and we could probably do a whole program on all the corruption behind the doors, but that isn't going to help you. That's pointing fingers at them isn't going to help you. So why did Paul appeal? Because while his case was on appeal in front of the emperor of Rome, 
that anybody having the same issue all across the Roman Empire, no judge is going to want to hear the case. If they hear the case and decide other than what the emperor is going to decide with Paul, they're in trouble. So they don't know. Is the emperor going to decide with Paul's favor? Or is he going to decide against Paul? So they don't want to hear the case. And there were plenty of of, of Jews and other people who were trying to get people to prosecute Christians because Christians had created this private religion, this private welfare system. There was a welfare system in the temple of, uh, of Judea. There was a welfare system in the temple of Roma, which was also built by Herod. You signed up. You had to pay in. You had a contractual agreement to pay in whatever it is that you would owe. 10, 20% of your labor had to go, you know, at a crop. 10% of that crop is going to go in right off the top to the temple. And they can, they can sell it and use the money to, you know, buy whatever they need to provide a daily administration for the needy of society. That's, that's the way the welfare system works. That's how they bound the people together with these welfare systems. That's what religion was. Threskia in the Greek. It's what you do to take care of the needy of your society, which creates a loyalty in your society for that religion, that state religion. That's called public religion. But the, you could, in Rome at that time, set up your own system of religion, your own system of social security. You can do that in America today. You can, you can form a religious order under a vow of poverty and nobody has to pay. It, it, and if they waive their right to Social Security under that vow of poverty, they would almost have to, although there are some organizations that don't. But the ones who really want to take advantage of that opportunity, they can waive their right to Social Security and depend entirely on the order. And the order can go out and make money produce a product, sell it on the market, and all the money goes into the order. And they hold all things in common. Now, they can do that. Anybody could do that right now. That's in the law. You can look it up. And we mentioned some of it in the footnotes in the Free Church Report. But we're not interested in just getting out of paying into the unrighteous mammon. We're interested in following Christ. Paul was interested in following Christ. And he had persecuted Christians before his awakening. And so now he's saying, I'm going to appeal to Rome and protect Christians at the risk of my own life. He knew he was risking his life. And when they tried to talk him out of it, it was kind of like when Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of going to Jerusalem. Going to Rome was like, for Paul, would be like Jesus going to Jerusalem. You're liable to get crucified. Because you're threatening the whole basis of the power of the system by actually preaching the gospel. By actually living the gospel. And what I talked about this morning, the metaphysical, spiritual aspect of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Evil, when they see you coming... I mean, real evil. Not these idiots who run around and think that they're 
resetting society, the Great Reset. They don't. Well, some of them might know, but most of them haven't got a clue that they're cutting their own throats with a dull knife. They just don't realize it yet. But they will. But by then it'll be too late. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, I mean, all these uh, uh, guys going out, uh, Antifa, they're the Nazis. It's amazing. Antifa is, is has nothing but fascist tech, uh, tactics. They are the fascists. They are doing what the brown shirts did. Causing the trouble and everything. They're just not as well-dressed as the brown shirts. <laughs> of course, those are German brown shirts and German brown shirts. They were very neat and, you know, the Germans, they can march. Right. You know, like I was talking about in, in Micah this morning, where it says, Oh, ye troops of troopers, uh, daughters of troopers. Uh, but... Uh, they, they're big for that order. But see, Germany originally, if you go back to the Teutons, the inhabitants of early Germany during the time of the Romans, they, they could muster an army, 12,000 men overnight, with no leader, no commander-in-chief, no top-down authority. 12,000 men overnight, they could be facing an army invading their country. And they defeated the first army that came absolutely down to a man. They defeated the Roman army that came to set up business in Germany. When the Romans came, it was good for business. But they did it because of the help of an exchange student that came from Germany and was educated in Rome. Now, there was another exchange student from Rome that went to Germany to be educated. It's part of an exchange program that was going on. These are from high-ranking politicians who do this so that they would have these people that would understand both systems, both kinds of governments, both peoples. And so this guy, who became known as Hermann the German at least to us in history, we refer to him as Herman the German. He was supposedly on the Roman side and advocating for the Romans, but when he got there, he snuck off to the German side and told them what was coming because it was good for business, but not good for liberty because the Romans had already been strained from the Republic and the principles of a Republic. And so he mustered an army and they defeated the Roman army down to the outnumbered but defeated them because they were so well organized from the bottom up. But then Herman gathered a number of Germans to support him and he tried to set himself up. There was another battle with Romans years later and uh, he also defeated them but at great cost. They lost a lot of Germans because when they defeated them the first time, they just drove them into the bogs and the swamps and they just forced them into dangerous locations. And they just, those, there might have been some that survived, but they never went back to Rome. There was supposedly no survivors. But also because they went out into the bogs and all this stuff, they lost a great deal of their treasure and the money that they had with them and the arms and the swords and all this stuff, which would have been the spoils of war. So Herman had a good idea, or at least he thought it was, that when the uh, soldiers came back the next time, many years later, 
and he went to attack them. He attacked them from all four sides. And that's a bad tactic. Romans almost never did that attack from all four sides. They only did that once that I can remember right offhand. And that was in defeating Jerusalem. And uh, there's that's in the prophecy that they would do that. But normally they don't do that because they want the lines to break and the men to flee. When they st- a few start fleeing, you know, like Benny, fleeing in the face of the enemy then it makes it easy to defeat those who stay. And so you don't attack from all four sides. You only attack from three sides and you give them an avenue to escape. Well, that he didn't want them to escape because they would, the guys with the money is the first ones who escape. And so right. he wanted to trap them because they don't have Federal Reserve notes in their pocket. They have substance in their pocket, gold and silver. They, usually they travel with gold with an army because... It was lightweight compared to its value almost everywhere. So, see, I tied this back into your original question. See how I did that? That's rabbit trailing. (laughs) But uh, anyway, uh, so he surrounded them all four sides, but on all four sides they fought to the last man, and a lot of Germans died. But he still won, and he was trying to set up the same type of where he's the commander-in-chief army again, He's in charge, and he had troops that were loyal to him, not just to the nation. And uh, eventually his own relatives defeated him and his immediate supporters, cut his head off and put it on a spike. And their comment was, it is not that we do not want to have a Roman emperor, emperor meaning commander-in-chief, we do not want to have any emperor we want to be free men. Now, the modern German has lost that. And they've been groomed for tyranny because the modern German, you know, they went from the Tsar or from Kaiser to, which is just a form of the word Tsar, uh, to uh, Adolf Hitler. And now they have people like Klaus Schwab calling all the shots. And why? They've been groom for despotism because they've become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. They become socialist. Even though when they looked at East Germany they could see how it destroyed the people, they dabble in it still to this day. It's illegal to home teach your children in Germany. You go to jail for home teaching your children in Germany. Same in many of the others. Sweden. You're not supposed to home teach your children. It's illegal. Very few European countries even tolerate that. My brother is living over in Berlin right now. And and he said that to go shopping anywhere besides your local supermarket or gas station, you have to either have proof of vaccination or a negative PCR test that day. Uh which you you could spend hours getting the PCR test done just to go shopping for an hour. So that's kind of how they're they're pushing the vaccination. But Germans are are good order followers, and they're going along with this. And like you said, they have been groomed yeah. for a tyrant. Yeah, and uh, and and the whole world has followed after this. This is not what made America great. This is not what America... America used to take care of all the needy of their society through faith, hope, and charity. 
There was no welfare in America. It is, like we explained in great detail, if you want to go back and look at our shows, we'll be posting them up at preparingyou.com on Micah. What was the sins they were talking about on Micah? First, the watchmen on the wall were not telling people what the real problem is. Uh, they were distracting them with all their philosophical theologies or whatever. But they certainly were not telling them what the real dangers were. And they were allowing people to institute the transgression of Jacob, which is a transgression designed to steal the rights and livelihood and, and inheritance of his brother. This was the transgression of Jacob to try to do that. Jacob had a lot of good qualities, but that was his transgression, is that he devised a way in which he could get his brother's inheritance. That's what FDR was doing. That's what all everybody who votes for any type of socialist program, whether it's a local health clinic, whether it's a local fire department, whether it's local public school, whether it's local um, whatever benefits you get, you know, give me uh, one half, what was it, the president, uh, I shouldn't say president, Mr. Biden, I mean, that's what they called him in the news for right. months after he was supposedly president already. They referred to him as Mr. Biden. I like, like, what, are you trying to tell me something? Is he not <laughs> the president? What's that? So some guy named Mr. Biden is now going to give you not 12 years of free education at the expense of your neighbor, but 16 years of free education. That's not four years of college. That's two years of preschool. So if you start school now at five, they're going to start you at three to be educated in the schools. And then you get two years of free college after that. And you will learn less than an eighth grader back in 1920s <laughs> before FDR. You will know less and you'll be happy. <laughs> right. But you'll be influenced more. I mean, that's when your mind is being shaped and molded is in those young ages. And it's like they'll just get two more years head start. Yeah. But unfortunately, or fortunately, the, a lot of the people who are teaching are ignorant of where real knowledge comes from. And real knowledge comes from plugging into the Holy Spirit. Right. And then you, real understanding comes from that. And that... The thing is that when those children begin to awaken, well, that's where Ritalin and, and all these fluoride drugs come in, is that they're, they're drugging the watchmen of tomorrow. They're putting them on Ritalin, they're putting them on these other drugs so that they cannot develop into the real seers of society. Because some people are gifted to see what's coming, what's the danger, what's the problem. And they're put in society, scattered out in society, and the individual will hear and they'll say, that guy's making sense. And then, then it, they also give them a direction. How, how do we do this to become free again? There are people who can see this. They're just born with this ability. But I can tell you almost everybody I know who is born with that ability, especially the boys, they're, they're being put on Ritalin. Right. They're being put on these other Luxol and all these other uh, different drugs that uh, accumulate in the brain. 
and make it so that they cannot see. I would have been put on Ritalin as a kid, but they hadn't invented it yet. When I was a kid, I'm an old guy. (laughs) 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 So, anyway, so, the ultimate substance is living substance. The original altars of stone were living altars. They were people. The stones that built the altar were actually people. They were, people say, well, how did they get these stones to fit together without chiseling them? This was a miracle how they did this and they go and all this nonsense. The stones were living stones. They fit together because they were made in the image of God with forgiveness and caring and they worked together. And we were just discussing what a religious order would look like. And, and we talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show. The religious order is two or more people gathered together for a particular purpose as if they were one person. Well, that's kind of like a corporation. It's a brotherhood. It's a family. But it shouldn't be 500 people in your religious order. It should be 10 adult men in a religious order. And there could be religious orders with women who would have a different purpose because men are different than women. <laughs> That's a personal observation, not necessarily a medical statement. <laughs> but it's it's true that and so you could actually form that religious order and we we tell you quite a bit about it in the free church report, which is free online, anybody can download it. Free online. It's not the original one I took to Washington DC that was actually much more extensive in that, but I all those major books are reduced down to 144 pages, basically. So, it has the essentials in it. But if you're not doing it for the purposes of Christ, it's not going to serve you well. You have to do it for the purposes of Christ. Because without the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself down on the shores of the Red Sea. (laughs) With a sea at your back and nothing between you and the army of Pharaoh. And without that... Holy Spirit, you're going to be in trouble. So, I don't recommend that, but I've shared the knowledge and the information on how that works. And you can look it up yourself. It has the codes right in it. That if you want to be free of society, all you have to do is form a religious order with two or more men. Hopefully, maybe at least ten. You should really have three, minimum of three, uh, from separate families. And they become a brotherhood and they organize themselves under a vow of poverty for the purposes of whatever purposes they want. But if you want to succeed, it has to be for the purposes of righteousness, which means you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself. I can find you. You know, when I originally, when they created the Internet, you could go around, you could Google things back then and you would find all kinds of documents and all kinds of records you can't find them anymore on Google. They don't show up in a regular search. You have to do a special kind of search. And even then, I'm not sure they would all show up. And some of the things that I saw showing up that had to do with religious orders, including religious orders like uh, St. Francis Xavier and, and uh, the Jesuits, I, I saw certain things that they were posting, certain records they were posting. I'm saying, like, what is this? Because I had a little familiarity with the Jesuits and how the Catholic Church operated. 
I was never a Jesuit. <laughs> Everybody always, people are, that rumor's been going around. I don't know how they get that rumor. But uh, I was actually rejected by the Jesuits. I could have gone to a Jesuit high school at one point, and they they wouldn't let me in. So, but that was God's, it was funny because I had a brother going there already. I had one brother who had taken his temporary vows as a priest. But uh, they wouldn't let me in. I don't know what that was all about, but it was godsend. Instead, I went in another direction entirely, which I couldn't plan. But, you know, I was, you know, a boy that should have been on Ritalin. I was (laughs) 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 going around causing trouble. I mean, I I didn't skip school when I was 18 years old or 17. I was out of school by then, but... uh, I was cutting class in kindergarten. <laughs> I was fomenting rebellion in kindergarten. I was a precocious, I don't know, my parents were saints. <laughs> so, anyway, but uh, if you don't do it for the purposes of Christ, you will not have the blessings of God. And the, and. Like I said, I can find all kinds of people who want to be free, but I can't find all kinds of people who want freedom for their neighbor as much as they want it for themselves. Right. And that's that's what got us into trouble. Is we wanted stuff for ourselves, and we didn't care what happened to our neighbor. You know, I want free education. I don't care. I just got a call this morning. Someone here got a call this morning about somebody who's losing... They're home. They've actually literally lost it already, but they're in Oregon. They cancel your title because you only have a legal title. You don't really own it. They cancel your title. A lot of states, they will sell your property at auction, but they're just selling their interest in your property. But this guy, he's already lost the title. He hasn't paid taxes in seven years. He thought somebody else was paying him. They weren't. And so now he's lost his property already, and it's being auctioned come Monday. He wants to know what he can do. Well, sorry, all your neighbors want to rob you. They want to take your house away from you if you don't pay into what they want. They call themselves Christians. Right. But they're not. They're, they're, they're robbing him. I don't know if he's a widower, but uh, the fact is I know there are widows and orphans that are robbed every day in America. It's one of the. I, there was a fellow I knew from New York, nice guy, should be in the network. Be wise if he was in the network. Um, we were up on the Butte together. He was the one, one that was with me with Cora, uh, and when Cora tried to escape the kingdom of God, <laughs> another story, but uh, that I just related to uh, Danny here, so he's familiar with it, but. Uh, Uh, He had a business that he was trying to put together. He had done it to some degree where people, property is often sold at auction because nobody's paid the taxes in two or three years, depending on what state you're in. Well, some of the people don't even know that their property is being sold at auction. And nobody really tries to get a hold of them. Now, the county sent this other guy letters, and he just was being naive and not opening them properly or anything, and he was screwing up. But the reality is, before the county were to take somebody's property like that, they should send a deputy out to find the guy and find out why he's not paying his taxes. I mean, they could do that. 
It's not a big deal. It doesn't happen every day. Find the guy. you got an address. Go there and find out. He could be in a coma. He could have dementia. He could be putting all of his mail in the wastebasket because he has dementia and wandering around in his house getting pizza delivered. And and just barely surviving. If we really cared about our neighbors, somebody would check. And that's what this guy was doing. He was finding out people who were losing their property, being sold at auction. He would try to find out who is the guy who owned this. Well, it was this guy over here. He died. And he hasn't been paying the taxes. Well, where, who's been getting the taxes? Well, they go to this address. But there's nobody at that address. See, you... What happened was the guy died. In one instance, there's a lot of, there's a million different stories, but one instance the guy died. His mother, his wife, was moved from the home, she couldn't stay by herself, to a place in Florida. Put into a single wide trailer down in Florida. And six months after she was moved down there, they didn't forward any more mail. Well, after six months, eventually they got a tax statement. And it went back. Nobody's forwarding it. Because they only forward it for six months. And she doesn't know he owned that property. She doesn't know that he... Yeah, you know, all the doctor bills and everything. She was overwhelmed. She had some kids who tried to help her out a little bit. But nobody knew he owned that property. And it was worth over a million dollars. And uh, they didn't even know he owned it. And... Uh, so now they're selling it at auction. I think it was almost a million dollars. It's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's being sold at auction and she's not going to get a dime. And he's, he spent money to track down this woman and he says that, yeah, you know, were you married to so and so? Well, you may have a right in a property if you sign this thing that gives me the power to represent you. I will see to it that you get the value of that property because it's going to be sold now. In some states, when they sell tax property, if there's any extra money after the taxes and expenses, which are usually exorbitant, uh, you the the rightful heir to the property or the previous owner of the property will get that difference. And in this case, it would amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is an old woman, 80, 89 years old, living in a single wide trailer in Florida. That hundreds of thousands of dollars can make her life very comfortable. And it's her money. But the county is not going to look for her. And so this guy started a business to look for these people. He found people that had millions of dollars coming to them. And they, and he, he gave a finder's fee for all the money he invested. A lot of times it was dead ends and he never was able to help anybody. But, so the church was going to start doing this. Well, right when we started doing it, state after state after state was making it a law that you could not use state records to do this because you're literally going to make a profit because you're getting a finder's fee the other person gets the bulk of the money because you don't get anything unless you know you get a share for the work you're doing but the states were making it so that they were hampering your ability to find the rightful owners the rightful widows and orphans who had a right to this inheritance and they were passing laws in one state after another. Once one state did it, and you saw another state doing it, and it was just hamstringing us so that we couldn't do it. 
And, you know, you think about it. A woman who's lost her husband, lost several of her children, got nothing, living just Social Security check to Social Security check, suddenly gets several hundred thousands of dollars of property value, and she should have got more. But the, the elation that that woman experiences and the elation that we feel bringing that news to her is great. But the state didn't like that because they're not going to get the money. Because, see, if you don't claim the money, they get it. They get to keep it. Every unclaimed dollar after so many years, you know, that ends up, you know, in the custody of the state, the state gets to take the money. You think they work real hard to find the owners of that? (laughs) <laughs> that money, who it goes to. I mean, there were stocks and bonds, AT&T stock, that were sitting unclaimed by people who had... They were millionaires. So in one case, the guy was a millionaire. And he just forgot that he owned that stock. And it was held in trust. He forgot about the trust. He'd made millions of other places. And we called him up, and he's, he knew exactly what we were doing. He says, I'm not a dummy, you know. Tell me what you're doing. I'll give you a finder's fee. And we we told him. And he he gave... He didn't give it to me. He gave it to the other guy. He gave him a fee. Quite a bit of money. Because it was lots and lots of stock. (laughs) But, you know... And so, you know... The poor rich guy got richer. But most of the time... It's some widow. Or some orphan that lost their parents and didn't know all the business of the parents. Like the guy who both parents were killed in an auto accident when he was 18 years old. Didn't know where all the property was that his parents owned. Thought he did. Well, he knew where some of it was. But this goes on. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of people in America. This goes on every day. And the counties and the government aren't really looking how to help people out. Church should be doing it. I thought that was a great opportunity for the church. And... And churches could still do that. Congregations could still get together and do that. But if they were actually sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, it, this wouldn't be happening to them. Right. There would be no widows all alone, overwhelmed by the death of their husband. Because the congregation would be there. How many churches will lose a widow in their church who dies? And their, their chair is just empty. And nobody even knows. Nobody even knows they're coming. Nobody even knows they're missing. That happens all the time in the big churches. You know, I could name a few pastors that I don't know when somebody's not there anymore. <laughs> well, how can they when you're talking about a mega church of 10,000 yeah. people? I mean, mega I, churches can't do this. Right. They don't want to do it. They're not in that business. They're in the ear tickling business. So I should look back at the studio and see, well, we do have a couple of people in the studio. Uh, no questions, but uh, anyway, so yeah, what kind of money is the best money? Uh, money of substance, but all that substance is supposed to do is represent your flesh and blood. So do you think the early church, um, whenever they were taking care of the daily ministration, was that done with the current Roman currency, or were they taking steps back towards just weights and measures? Well, the current Roman currency back under Tiberius for instance well they the the currency was gold and silver that's 
that's what they call and copper and a few other you know there was bronze coins and stuff but they had value according to because they were just weights and measures the first attempt official attempt to devalue the money was actually Mark Anthony and Cleopatra and they took 10% of the silver out of the Roman silver denarii to pay the soldiers that's how a lot of the money got into circulation is the military they pay the soldiers and the soldiers go to the pub <laughs> or whatever yeah. but they also they buy grain you know the when the Romans were taking Masada that's a historical point in in Judea they they had to feed an army of men surrounding Masada and they were building a ramp up to the gates of Masada it was up on this big plateau like that one behind the church property it was a a big plateau and and it was almost impossible to storm so they were building this ramp so they could storm the gates on the ramp while they were building the ramp with slave labor but they're out in the middle of the desert there's no water there's no food there's nothing so the Romans had to pay somebody to bring grain every day to feed a whole army of soldiers so that nobody escaped from Masada and a whole army of slaves who were building this ramp all the way up to the front gates and uh that involved hundreds and hundreds of burrows, donkeys, going back and forth every single day. Well, those guys had to be paid. You know, rent a donkey cost so much. I mean, the people were making money. Like I say, Romans were good for business. They spent hard currency on the people who were doing this work. People loved the Romans. The Jews loved the Romans. We have this B-movie view the Jews mourned the death of uh, Augustus Caesar. Uh, the Jew, the, the Romans were in Judea because they were invited in by the Jews to settle a dispute as to who was the rightful king. And of course, they eventually settled that dispute by the time Christ came along uh, with, this is the king of the Jews, this is the king of the Jews, this is the king of the Jews on the cross on an official ebony wood plaque carved through white plaster so you could see black letters with a white background that's what was nailed to the cross and that allowed the apostles to work daily in the temple of government building to rightly divide the bread from house to house and a daily ministration of welfare based on faith hope and charity alone as opposed to the Corbin of the Pharisees, which is based on forced offerings. Today, all your Christians have more in common with the Pharisees than they have in common with the early Christians. So the early Christians were using gold and silver. They knew pretty quick on that. I mean, it wasn't a secret that Mark Anthony and Cleopatra were reducing the amount of silver. Uh, Caligula dabbled in this as well reducing even more uh, till it was like half the silver that a denarii normally had and they were able to do this through a, a chelation method of of uh, melting down the coins which, at which they had learned many years before and were using in the temple at Ephesus with bone ash because that was used in the process so by the by Diocletian which is 120 years 
you know, A.D. Um, uh, might be a little bit later than 120, but it is around that period. If somebody wants to be technical, uh, they can look it up. I've got it written down, but it was, yeah, I'm getting the date wrong. It's more like 200-something. What it was was, at the time of Jesus Christ, when the silver denarii was still a silver denarii, and a gold coin was still a gold coin, and they were still using pretty much just weights and measures. It was only Mark Anthony Cleopatra at first that reduced it by 10%. And everybody knew they did it. It didn't take people long to say, this dime isn't as big as the other dimes. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, a modius of wheat, which is about 30 pounds of wheat, that's a sack of wheat, was worth six denarii. So you had to have six dimes of silver. That's what a denarii is about, a dime size. Six dimes, 60 cents by our standards, to buy 30 pounds of wheat, which would make you 30 loaves of bread for 60 cents. Pretty good deal. It's only a couple pennies a loaf. That's what it was at the time of Benjamin Franklin. He actually bought three loaves of bread for two cents when he abandoned his brother's apprenticeship, when he crossed the bay to the other side and became Benjamin Franklin Esquire. <laughs> He's this young young lad. Precocious. Should have been on Ritalin. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so these are little tidbits of history we're throwing out there, but by Diocletian, it was over a hundred thousand denarii to buy the same sack of wheat, because there was no silver in the denarii. They were iron coins, and by then, I mean nobody was doing it. But that's literally where it came to because of the fact that uh, when they went to totally iron coins, they were worthless in runaway inflation. They passed laws before that that if you, it was price fixing. You could only pay this much. They, they did this in Venezuela. You could only charge this much for this commodity. And you could only pay this much for this commodity. And if you broke those laws, it was a death sentence at times in Rome. Total chaos. It was Venezuela for the whole world right. uh, of Rome. Today, the whole world of Rome is the whole world. Mm-hmm. There is no escape. So... Yeah, ultimately you would go with gold and silver, but I always remind people that all the gold in the world cannot buy the last bowl of rice in China. Right. Because starvation makes gold worthless. You can't eat gold. Well, you can. Most That's another story. Moses had the people eat the gold. <laughs> the golden calf. It wasn't like uh, Cecil B. DeMille said the ground didn't open up and swallow the golden calf. He actually fired up the furnaces, turned the gold into dust. You tell me how you do that. I can actually tell you how to do that, but don't want to give everything away on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and made the people eat the dust of the golden calf. What was that all about? But, uh, you know, I could get people all excited and enthusiastic about those weird, strange things that used to go on that nobody knows in history. But... Know thyself. If you really want to know how to get through what is coming, you have to start caring about others as much as you care about yourself, which means you have to gather together with others. 
with love in your heart and forgiveness. You can't have love in your heart unless you won't have it for long without forgiveness. And uh, nothing kills forgiveness more than judgment. So you can't have judgment. Got to have forgiveness. Got to have charity. This is what Paul said. This Pauline gospel. Above everything else, charity. Without charity, you've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Which is without love, because the same word translated either charity or love. So, this is why you would form an order. This is why you would form a congregation. But if you can't, we were just talking about this, if you want to be in an order, first thing to do is be in a congregation. You know, the there was only 12 apostles, maybe 70 for the Sanhedrin of Christ. That's what the 70 were. That was the Sanhedrin of Christ. But uh, there were 5,000 men in their families at the loaves and fishes. And they had to organize themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because Christ commanded it before there was a single loaf and fish. Well, from that came 120 in the upper room. That 120 was 12 times 10. That 12 times 10 were the bishops of congregations, of congregations, of congregations. Not to rule over you or to tell you what to believe or what to think, but to facilitate love in your society. Binding the people together, not with contracts and covenants and constitutions or Bitcoin. (laughs) 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 Nothing against Bitcoin. It could be a tool. Right. The other day, I, I, the other day I needed a screwdriver and a sharp piece of metal worked just as well. I've used plenty of rock instead of a hammer. Right. I like a hammer though. <laughs> hammer works better than a rock. But if I ain't got a hammer, I'll use a rock. And if I haven't got gold and silver, I'll use Federal Reserve notes or Bitcoin in a righteous way. And that's one of the things that if people were sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like they should, all the people that are sitting on the sidelines in the network and not actually getting a part of the living network just on email groups, if they all sat down, we could form a credit union. A credit union is a bank that cannot make a profit from interest. That's a big difference. That's, uh, you know, I was saying this just today about cutting wood. On the Sabbath. Doesn't have anything to do with wood. Doesn't have anything to do with saws or axes. And it doesn't have anything to do with Saturday. It has to do with making a profit. Loaning your labor or money to other people. That's what cutting wood on the Sabbath is all about. But we'll have to explain that later because we're out of time. So thanks Danny for... Bouncing things off of me. Thanks everybody for coming. And uh, we'll just have to see you on the network. Till then, peace on your house. And may, may God be with you. Now I have to find... They've changed things here. They've slipped something in on me when I wasn't. So I can't see my music. And everything's <laughs> moving slowly. I'm not mechanically inclined on this. Here we go. Here's the outro. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. 
For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.